0: Welcome to Hadley Presents. I'm your host, Ricky Enger, inviting you to sit back, relax, and enjoy a conversation with the experts. In this episode, we discuss vision loss and pet ownership. And our guests are Hadley Learning expert, Debbie Warman, and Hadley learner, Sherry Robinson. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you. I am delighted to have you both. And of course, any day that we can come and talk about our fur babies is a good one. So I'm really excited about this. I know that a lot of people have questions about, you know, I love pets, I love animals, and I just have some concerns about how I might manage some of that now that I'm not seeing as well as I used to. So I thought it would be cool to Come and talk about just some of those practical concerns. And then, of course, talk about the joy of pet ownership as well. So, as we introduce ourselves, you know, I will say that I have one fur baby at this point. She is a 16 year old, and uh, you wouldn't know it by the way she acts. And she is a lovely little black cat and she lives up to her name which is diva she thinks that she is absolutely the most important entity in any room and she's pretty much right so um, debbie how about we get a couple of words from you introduce yourself and any pets that you want to talk about
1: Yeah, thank you, Ricky. Um, I'm Debbie Warman, and I'm a learning expert here at Hadley. I co-host several of the discussion groups here, and I'm thrilled to be talking about uh, pets today. My little boy is Buick, and yes, he was named after the car. That's how I got him. I was not looking for a pet at the time. He just climbed up under my dad's Buick, and rode on the back axle for about six miles and when I got home it was meow 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 there he was and he's been mine ever since came into my life at a really important time I was diagnosed with cancer and I think he just plopped in at the right time to be my cuddle buddy and uh, he's just uh, just my life he's my life.
0: Wow I love that story every every bit of that story is just fantastic. Sherry, you're up next, and I know you have more than one (laughs) (laughs) animal to talk about. So I know this is going to be really difficult, but we will just get from you the number of each type of animal that you have. And then if there's one that you specifically want to talk a little
2: bit about, we can do that. Yes, I have two horses, two dogs, and three cats. Wow. And I will talk about my oldest guy. That is my quarter horse, Thunder. He is 24 now. And I have had him since he was almost two. Uh, He is a very even keeled, even tempered, roughly handsome man because he doesn't like to be called cute. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He likes hugs and kisses on his nose. And I have discovered that since going blind, they are very protective of me. And I can go out there and they'll hover around. Of course, they are looking for treats, but they'll hover around. And I can walk right into their butts and they don't even flinch. So they know.
0: They know. Right. It's like we talk about with pets and children you know pets tend to be really patient at least some of them knowing that this is a a cub or a youngster doing this and I do think they have that same sense about oh you can't see me you know making these googly eyes at you begging for food but I have a different way of showing you that now
2: and and I can still feel my dog staring at me <laughs> yes that is unmistakable right so
0: i know again that there are people who want to either get a pet now and they they don't have one currently or, or maybe vision loss is happening along with some other concerns and people are thinking gosh i have this pet now but Am I going to be able to handle everything that pet ownership kind of throws at you? And so, again, I thought it would be a good idea to just share our experiences with how we navigate some of these things and talk about some of those practical things that people think about and maybe don't have a solution to. So, Debbie, I know you have a great
1: list of questions. And why don't we just jump right in? Absolutely. And I think it's just so important. The three of us know, right? We know that pets, our pets just enhance our life so much. It's just the well-being that they cause us from joy to unconditional love. I talked to so many learners during the day. And I think one of one of the saddest conversations I've had in the last year was from a woman who, who thought she was going to have to give her, her cat up because of her vision loss. And I hope today... Um, we can talk about, as you said, Ricky, some, some practical ways that people with vision loss can care for their pets, decide to keep them, or if they don't have a pet, this is a good time to, to kind of explore, is, is a pet right for me? So, Sherry, I'm going to just throw some questions at you, if you don't mind. So just off the hand, just quick advice. What would you advise someone who is new to vision loss, who is thinking about getting a pet? Do you, I know the answer to this, but I want to hear it in your words. Do you think it's a good idea?
2: (laughs) I definitely do. Having an animal, a pet, is good for your soul. It's good for your emotional being. And there are so many ways To deal with an animal whether you have vision or not I mean I've got three different species that I take care of and if I can do it anyone can
1: I like that. I like when you said "good for the soul." That just that gives me goosebumps. Good for the soul. So, so let's talk about how you take care of your pets. I know one of the the situations this woman that I talked to was concerned about, and her, and her family was concerned too, is is tripping over her pet. It was a small dog. How do you deal with those kinds of issues, uh, tripping issues with an animal?
2: Well, now my dogs are a little bigger. They're, they're both about 50 pounds, but they have learned very quickly to move when I'm walking through the room, they move. Now the cats I have on occasion, like lost my balance and stepped on a cat, which is never a good thing. But for the most part, even the cats have learned to move out of my way or at least be where, you know, I can feel their tail on my leg, you know, so I I know they're there.
1: Do either one of you um, ever put bells or anything on the collars to, to let you know they're about? Or is that something you've
2: considered? Or I have done this. Sherry, how about you? I have not done the bells. Now, I used to, and when I had the three dogs, um, my one dog, I put a little ribbon on her collar. So then I knew if I grabbed the collar with the ribbon on it, that was stitch if I grabbed the collar with no ribbon, that was Flicka. But now that I'm down to two dogs, I've just taken Stitch's collar off. And now I know just instantaneously who is who. So as, as
1: long as you were mentioning dogs, I'm always curious to people with vision loss and how they walk their dogs. For instance, if you are a cane user, how do you walk your dog while you're using your cane and, and what kind of situations... That that may bring up for people who are worried about maybe if they get a dog, how am I gonna walk this dog? Or am I have to gonna to rely on somebody else to take the dog out? Well, you know, what kind of issues come up with that?
2: That is actually one problem I don't have because I have a fenced in backyard. So when they need to go out, I just open the door and they go out. If I want to take them to the barn with me, they're very well behaved. I live on a 15 acre farm. So if I want them to go to the barn with me, I just open the gate and they stay around.
0: I know having done this as a guide dog user, there were times when, you know, walking the dog was different than walking with the guide dog and having him guide me. So what I would do was have the leash in one hand and the cane in the other hand. And now I'm in control of where we're going. He's not guiding me, but uh, we're making our way throughout the neighborhood. Now, of course, there can be concerns if you're new both to cane use and to having a dog. Gosh, that's that's a lot. And so one thing I know that some people have done is to initially have someone walking with them, not as a guide, but just to make things a little more relaxing. So I'm here should something go wrong. But if you practice walking around the neighborhood with your cane and also you've got your companion with you it's a good time for both of you and of course if you're
2: walking with your friend you have a nice little chat along the way and there's also you can always request for a orientation and mobility instructor to come walk with you as well if you don't have a close friend or family member willing to walk with you both of you just
1: you're in my head that was so interesting you hit all three points that i wanted to make sure we covered Um, ricky i think when you mentioned practice right so somebody new to vision loss often has those overwhelming i can't do this feeling right so you want to be patient with yourself even when you get a pet be patient with yourself because things don't happen overnight and to remember to ask for assistance you know, we all have to to allow people to assist us, to offer them that gift to help us at times. And Sherry, so important to remember um, to seek orientation and mobility training. That's really important. That, that will help you with walking that dog. What about those dogs that get out and you're worried about them, or even in the house, they're going to chew. Up. Maybe you, you have a puppy or a younger dog, or even sometimes when Buick wants attention, what does he do? He chews on my computer cord. So what, what do you do in situations like that? When, when, you, when We know pets like to chew on things. How can you know that's happening if you can't
2: see that? And how do you protect them from things like that? The first thing I would do is provide them with something they can chew. My dogs have some of those nyla bones, or they have those those toys that you can get at just about any store, little tires, tug ropes. Give them something they can chew, and that will keep them from chewing on things they shouldn't chew. But if you catch one chewing on something you're not supposed to, then you just, you know, you need to correct them, discipline them like you would a child and can reinforce, no, that is not something you chew on. And then give them something they can chew on.
1: Yeah. Yeah turn it around and make it positive, right, Sherry? So it's not not so much about being no. You know, Buick does that when he feels he wants attention, and I lacked giving him the appropriate attention for the morning. And here I am working, and he just wants to play. So um, sometimes it's just saying, hey, buddy, let's play and just redirecting him. Like you said, a child's oftentimes just redirecting them. And I can hear him um, as I'm trying to work. I can hear him under my desk and in the cord. So I keep that ear out for him. So using my heightened senses that way.
0: That was exactly the point I was going to make, Debbie, was that I know People think, well, what if I don't see them chewing on something or getting into something that they shouldn't? And I do feel like it's a myth that your other senses become better. Like if you were to measure them on a scale, the senses don't become better, but you become more attuned, as you said, to listening for things like that. And it's something that happens naturally. You know, you you can suddenly notice in the environment, I think I know what that sound is, because sometimes things happen in a different room. And even if you do have a set of perfectly working eyes, you can't see from where you are. So you probably notice more already than you think you
2: do.
1: How about I know I'm getting ready to move in with my mom. So I'm taking Buick with me, of course. So um, that brought to mind what do people do about vets and if you don't have transportation if you no longer drive and how do you give meds if your pets are sick and boy that's a that's a lot of responsibility to have on one shoulder to take care of that and is that really something you want to do and and how do you manage all of that that process
2: well as far as vet appointments obviously with my horses the vets come here But with the dogs and cats, that's when you have to find somebody willing to haul you to the vet. Now, I have a dog that she is on medicine because she has really bad arthritis and I keep her medicine separate from everything else and I have a routine in the morning after I feed her, I will go get her medicine, you know, put it in some peanut butter because heaven knows she wouldn't eat it otherwise, and then give it to her. I have
0: just the one cat, and I was fairly recently kind of confronted with this. My son wasn't driving yet, and I thought, oh no, what do I do? You can't call a lift to get you to the vet, and my friend's live 40 miles away. And so what do I do? And, you know, I don't have any family in the area. And so when I looked into it, it turns out that Uber now does have something called Uber Pet, where they have drivers who have indicated they are willing to take pets. And so you call knowing that, okay, everything's going to be great there. The other thing I was able to do was I found a vet who makes house calls. And so I think it depends on what area you're in as to what's going to be available for you. But it may be that whether you're calling a standard Uber or Lyft and you're putting in the information that I'll be traveling with a pet, you know, cancel and let me get somebody else if you have a problem with this. Or you can find a vet who makes house calls or again, friends and family, great way to do that. And um, medicine, that's all kinds of fun. I think that in the same way that we do for humans, where we have a way to measure liquid medication in a syringe a way to distinguish one medication for another. So we have ha- Hadley workshops on all those things and that applies just as much to pets as humans, I think.
1: I think, I again, I'm thinking of if we're, if this podcast is reaching people who are new to vision loss, that sense of overwhelm sometimes where you, you've you lost your independence. And, you know, I'm one for encouraging self-advocacy. Anything that can get you to get that take charge feeling back again, right? What am I going to do about this? So even if you think your vet won't make house calls, there's nothing wrong with calling up and saying, hey, I don't have a driver today. In the future, here's my situation. I don't drive. Could could the vet make a house call? I know in my small town that that would be acceptable. We have several vets and I know them well enough that they would do that. So I encourage people to, to do that. Take charge, uh, self-advocacy attitude to recapture that. And especially we pet mothers can be very protective of our pets. So we, we can we can adapt that really well, right?
2: Yeah, and like you were saying, you know, it does depend on where you are because where I live in Kentucky, the vet that came out to do my horses would also do my dogs and cats. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Talking about to people who are thinking about getting a pet, where would you go to get a pet? You know, to the shelter. And if you went to the shelter and someone at the shelter, oh, this person, they have vision loss. I don't know if we should give them a pet. And you were faced with that or you were faced with a family member that said, you know, dad, we're going to have to get rid of uh, Butch here because he's not, you're not going to be able to take care of him. What advice would you have for people who are maybe giving you a hard time about keeping your pet or wanting a pet or how would you address those issues?
2: Well, nobody gave me a hard time because there was just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I was keeping my animals. Even when I moved over here, my sister tried to get me to sell my horses and I was like, no, And when I lost my sight, my first question was, okay, what are we going to set up so I can get to the barn to feed my horses? It wasn't, should I sell my horses now? No, it was, okay, we need to think up a way so that I can still do this. And we did. Like with most everything, you have a place for everything and everything in its place. All my dog stuff is in one spot all my cat stuff is in one spot. All my horse stuff is in one spot. I mean, with me, I have the kind of attitude that if somebody tells me I can't do something, that's exactly what I'm going to do, just to prove them wrong. So it sounds
0: like uh, that self-advocacy really serves you well in these situations. If somebody says, you probably shouldn't, or I don't know if this is going to work or not. You're the one who gets to
1: decide. Yeah. When you were talking, Sherry, it reminded me of um, the Hadley workshop, Coming to Grips with Vision Loss. My favorite saying in that workshop is, take the tea off can't and that's exactly what you do. I mean, you, you problem solve. How can I do this? How can I make this work for me? Um, the fact that you try and strive to be organized and, and you stick to that and you, you, you trust your gut, that all helps you be a, a good pet owner because you're looking out for your pets because you're thinking of all of those things. I'm wondering for people maybe thinking about getting a pet. We all like those cute little puppies and those cute little kittens. And do you think there's a better, you think it's better for people to get an older pet? Do you think, or um,
2: if they want a kitten or a puppy, what, what would you recommend there? Well, as you know, Ms. Debbie, the pet picks you. But Ah. but, I mean, either or, be honest with you, with puppies, I can tell you the first thing I would do if you want to get a puppy, keep a supply of chews for them and crate train them. Get a kennel that he's going to fit in even when he gets bigger and start right away with kennel training so that when you're out of the house or your sleep if you don't want him running around getting into things while you're not there to supervise you can have him in his kennel and you can start right away with that training and that will benefit you my one dog actually eats in her kennel and she won't eat outside of it she don't like to i feed her inside her kennel and she's i mean i'm not shutting the door But she's happy with that. But if I ever need her to go in her kennel, all I had to do is tell her to, and she'll go in her kennel, and then I don't have to worry about her. But kittens also provide them with scratching posts, maybe a cat tree. If you have room in your house or apartment, get a little cat tree so they can climb on it and scratch on it and play, have toys for them to play with. And then as with everything else, have a place for those toys to go when she's not playing with them. Maybe a little laundry basket or a little box and just put the toys in there and then they're out of the way
1: absolutely yes Buick has his own little toy box and he'll go and pick something out occasionally and yeah and there were some toys I was going to throw away the other day but cats you know they'll you give change it up change the toys up because he loves that when you one one mouse I was going to throw
2: away and he just played with it for a half an hour so (laughs) So. and I found a little hand whip that you know I never use whips on my horses so I was like hmm so I brought it in and I brought some baling twine from the barn and I tied the baling twine through the top of the, the whip. And that's my cat toy. <laughs> and they love it. <laughs> well, you
1: all can just hear, I'm, I'm sure you're hearing the joy of us talking about our pets, right? We're just, it's something we could probably talk about all day because they are our babies Somebody said, is Buick moving in with you and your mom? And I said, he's my son. He has to go. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, they become a part of our life. And, and um, it's so important. But, but owning a pet is a lot of responsibility. Problem solving you'll have to do because of your vision loss, you know, maybe asking for assistance sometimes, learning how to do things you never thought you would have to do, finding the dog uh, doo-doo in the yard, those (laughs) those kinds of things, all those kinds of fun things, right? So we know that um, owning a pet has lots of joys, but it's also a big responsibility. There's a lot that goes into making a decision. Is there anything that you both can think of that we're not addressing? The bottom line, is it going to be worth the hassle?
0: I for sure think that having a pet is worth it. We've talked about in this episode that, that feeling of overwhelm and I'm struggling myself. How am I going to do this for somebody else? Sometimes it takes exactly that. Things that you might not feel capable of doing for yourself or things that seem just a little too much to do for yourself. Somehow, when it is someone else or an animal that you're caring for, you find a way. And that can be such a confidence builder to say, I did this. I solved this problem. I figured it out so that I could take care of my animal. So now these things that I'm
2: struggling with myself, maybe I
0: can problem solve with those things too.
2: Mm -hmm. It kind of takes your mind off your issues because nobody wants to sit around and just woe is me all day long having to go out or even to get up in the morning and feed the dogs and feed the cats and then go out and feed the horses during the day, it really breaks up the day and gives me something else to think about besides, oh, what am I going to do? You know, it really does give you a sense of purpose and a sense of completion. Yeah. I just love that
1: you both mentioned that, that caring for a pet does, it, it takes you out of your own issues. It gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you, you're giving back. It is a wonderful thing to have that sense of purpose. And yeah. So, wow. I, I don't know. I don't. I think anybody who's listening today who doesn't have a pet may just be
2: rushing out to their pet shelter. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> they, they just might be. And There's more, too, than just dogs and cats and horses. You know, you could always start with a turtle, maybe a fish. You know, I just feel one species short.
1: Yeah, there's a quote that I love that someone shared with me. Pets are not our whole life, but they make our lives whole.
2: Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, if I can add one more thing. Oh, sure. If people are unsure if they want to own a pet, you can always call the local shelter and foster. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, and, and as we say in in our
1: pet care series too, you can do that. You can also volunteer to babysit someone's pet to get an idea that may be something right for you. So that's another thing you can try.
0: This is so much fun. I have had a great time with you both talking about our pets and the challenges and the rewards of having a pet. I think this is such an important topic. Check out the show notes for links to workshops on caring for your pets that we have here at Hadley, as well as our medication series and a couple of other things that are going to be worthwhile uh, as you're Thinking about taking that pet journey, and uh, if if I weren't working the rest of the day, I think I might be on the way to the shelter to
1: get another pet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if Diva would like that, Ricky. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Sherry, for your willingness to do this, and Ricky, what a nice idea to have this as a topic. I'm glad that I could
2: be a part of it. Oh, you're welcome. This is great.
0: Thanks, everyone, and thank you all for listening got something to say? Share your thoughts about this episode of Hadley Presents or make suggestions for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at hadley.edu. That's p-o-d-c-a-s-t at hadley.edu. Or leave us a message at 847-784-2870. Thanks for listening.